on a brand new Josh Nason's Punch Out, I wrap up my series looking at the year that was 2023 in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, the UFC coming back this weekend. No better time to wrap this up than almost mid-January. Paul Fontaine and I go through October, November, and December. Of course, October saw the UFC officially splitting with USADA. We talk about all the implications and fallout of that. Company returned to Abu Dhabi. Saw some title changes. Of course, November brought the company back to Madison Square Garden for a massive $12 million gate. In a main event that was not what they intentionally planned, but turned out to be okay anyway. The end of Bellator as PFL officially took over the company, bought the company, I guess you could say, in an all-stock deal. We chat all about that. We also talk about December and Leon Edwards. Maybe perhaps finally putting to rest the aura of Colby Covington in the in front of 19,000 people in Las Vegas to end the year. And, of course, Conor McGregor's return date, asterisk, <laughs> officially announced. We'll see if that happens. This is a fun conversation. We wrap up the entire fourth quarter of 2023 and give some thoughts about maybe the year ahead, some of our favorite fights from the past year, and all kinds of other good stuff as well. I think you're really going to enjoy this. The grand finale, perhaps of all time, you never know, everything that happened in 2023 in the world of mixed martial arts, myself and Paul Fontaine, Josh Nason's Punch-Up begins right about now. Parting is such sweet sorrow, but we are here. Episode four, part four, the finale of the MMA year review series here on uh, our this very website. And of course, join me as always, the uh, co-pilot for this uh, this journey, Paul Fontaine of this very website, and also of uh, the In the Clinch podcast, the Dynamite Show podcast, and formerly the Grandpa Des podcast on YouTube, <laughs> and all that good stuff. So, uh, welcome back, Paul. Formerly and hopefully futurely. Is that a word? I don't know. Yeah, we'll make um, it. Up. Yeah, I, like yeah it. I, uh, I I would like to get back to doing that. I want to get you back on at some point talk, talking about TV. Sure. Uh, we had we, we had a good chat about that when, when I had you on. Um, yeah, I know. This is good. We've I've been on a bit of a hiatus with the in the clinch, but we're back on Tuesday. So actually, some of this stuff that we're going to talk about today, I haven't even had a chance to talk about yet. Oh, good. Um, with Ryan. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, like UFC 296, for instance, we, we like the kaita started right before that. So um, yeah, we're, uh, we're back on the free feed on fight game media this week. So we'll talk about that at the end of the show, but yeah, looking forward to getting into the last quarter of 2023 with you and putting a bow on that year. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Yeah. So we'll uh, yeah. So this goes through October, November, December for uh, some reason you're stopping here for the first time. I uh, go back and get the entire archives. No, uh, no paywall, no nothing at uh, on the website, just uh, search podcasts or go to the podcast section, punch out and you'll see all stuff there, including the uh, best in uh, best of the year or the year review in pro wrestling, which I'm finishing up early next week. Uh, and that'll be all set. Yeah. I had one of those uh, weird uh, upper respiratory colds which i never get and you if i get them they last for a day this one's last for like a week and i i had to go to uh urgent care i never go to urgent care and i went to urgent care the other day and was like is this strep throat is this what it is like no just all colds are bad this year and could last like four to six weeks i'm like what <laughs> four to six weeks yeah like that's ridiculous but uh they said you should be fine within a week or so so feeling uh feeling a lot better than i was but yeah it's uh hard to uh 
hard to go to bed and wake up with a, a sore throat. It's not a not a fun way to start or end the day. You know what I mean? Well, you sound good and you look good. So, oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, You're but uh, 2024, the new year, Paul. So it's a big uh, big year coming up, and we'll talk. Uh, let's finish out 2023 though, because this was also a big year, which leads in to 2024. We'll start with October, and two big. Three big news stories this month. One not even in MMA, but one that involved a former MMA superstar and potential future MMA superstar. We'll get to explain what that means in a minute. But uh, the big news was UFC splitting with USADA after a, a long partnership between two organizations, a controversial one in very in uh, many ways. And it was um, this just kind of came this came about in the in the uh, most Dana White way possible, most UFC way possible, in that USADA, uh, there was this, uh, essentially a release came out from USADA, and it was pretty scathing against the UFC, and, and to kind of paraphrase, essentially just alluding to the fact that they were trying to get around stuff, and they just didn't want any part of it, and there was a decision that UFC wanted to pull out. Um, it was done, and really just kind of putting the, the uh, onus on UFC, and it was their choice to do this. It kind of insinuating there was some sneaky stuff going on there. Of course, this whole year, as we talked about in the series, this was there was so much talk about Conor McGregor and this USADA pool in out in out in out. And this month, and I'm sure this just happened to be just a formality. He ended up getting back in the USADA pool, saying he wanted to fight in April. And so this comes out, and Dana White says, uh, "What did he say it was, uh, um." Should he practice or something like that? And that the, the lawyers are going to have fun with this. I, I again, paraphrasing exactly what he said, but, uh, and then what happened was about a day or two afterwards, um, UFC's head of, I mean, it's not athlete relations, but I can't remember what his name is. Uh, the guy, basically their anti-doping guy, along with their lawyer, uh, one of the head honchos there, Hunter Campbell, did their own press conference and they went all in on USADA and spilled their side of the tea in terms of what happened. And so again, to kind of paraphrase there, uh, this was, uh, they, they basically laid out the, the reasons and laid out some of the things that this basically had been going on for months and months and months that they kind of knew that this was going to come to an end because they're trying to work with USADA on several things. And, and, you know, according to them, USADA was unflinching in their ability to do such things that they were they were did not want McGregor to fight without being you know six months in the pool um, and that he wasn't going to do that whether you believe that or not it's up to you but essentially there was just a lot of um, and and I don't you know I usually don't tend to believe the promoters on their end of things but in watching that whole press conference I I did believe what I was hearing from Hunter Campbell the conviction when she was saying things and then their their other uh, antidote person as well and that they were just looking for. Uh, some common sense and we've heard these stories for years and years and years and and there's all these stories that came out after this with uh with fighters saying yeah they uh, you know it was five in the morning and on fight night and they're busting in the room you know the person's not supposed to fight for another you know 18 hours and some you know these crazy things someone's trying to cut weight i think it might have been volkanovsky was trying to cut weight and usada came and wanted the samples he's trying to cut just before he's supposed to go down on the scale um, just crazy stuff like that. There's all these different types of stories, <laughs> excuse me. And, uh, so after this, as part of this press conference, they laid out uh, a new partner, uh, this person who is this, this higher up, this former FBI guy, I believe it was, um, 
essentially is going to be kind of the judge, jury, and executioner on a lot of this stuff and kind of laid out this plan. So it's a very, for those that really want, you know, athletes tested and really kind of into this, they laid out a, a plan um, that was uh, pretty robust and they kind of filled in more information on that in December. So it's going to kick off, actually just kicked off uh, this year. And uh, they, they called the, the treatment that McGregor got uh, disgusting, disgusting treatment. And then you had, you know, of course, all these fighters are like, are we not going to get tested now? It's like, no, that's not the case. That's what UFC was, I think, upset about the most was they wanted to be able to announce this first. So that way their fighters and people could know, but they didn't, they had to react to it instead of be proactive. And then the, one of the funniest things, John Jones wanted his record changed because of all these, you know, these side of violations and things like that. He's like, well, since they were in the wrong this whole time, how they were doing things that my record should be changed because of it. And I assume he was trolling, but you know, who knows with John Jones anyway, this was a, a long way of saying that, uh, yeah, UFC and USADA splitting. And hopefully again, for people that are really kind of into this stuff, um, there's going to be a better way to do things moving forward. I'm, I think like many are interested to see how this is going to work, but, uh, there were so many red flags that you saw with what they were testing for with, um, um, yeah, what they were testing for the procedure, again, the common sense stuff that they would be unflinching on was, uh, just got to be unacceptable to the UFC. And I, I'm not surprised they went in a different direction. Yeah, this was, I mean, obviously a really big story. Um, I, I do believe I, I, you know, there's parts of both of them that I believe. I, I, I think that USADA, I think it all came down to money and USADA wanted more money and, uh, for what they were doing and UFC, wanted to pay less and they found somebody that would do it for less. And they also wanted a little bit more control over what was going on. And uh, I'm, it sounds like they have that as well. Um, I, I found it really interesting because when I first kind of figured out that this was going on was I had a tweet that I had made like four years ago uh, about uh, our, our friend, filthy Tom Lawler, mm. who, uh, you know, kind of got screwed by USADA in a way. And, uh, and, and it had gotten somehow somebody found it and retweeted it. Um, or I think Tom had responded to it and then they retweeted Tom's response. And, um, so I was all of a sudden getting all these notifications from a tweet from four years ago. And so I, it was like, I, uh, I, I kind of did some investigation. I was like, Oh, okay, this is, this is new. And then I, you know, I kind of started chatting with Ryan and, and he gave me some more details because, you know, I'm, I'm not like online 24 seven. I'm not, you know, necessarily following all this stuff like in real time a lot of times, but um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, huge. I mean, they've, you know, they've been, I think you saw it obviously did a really good job in terms of cleaning up the sport in some ways. Um, you know, they're obviously the way they enforce things was very inconsistent and, um, you know, and it is ironic that John Jones is the one that's, you know, wanting his record <laughs> change when he probably benefited more than anybody from from the unfavor or the unfair treatment, um, you know, where you had guys like Tom and, and others that, you know, essentially had their careers ruined over, yeah. you know, what may not have even been a real drug test failure. Um, you know, and, and, and since then, you know, similar situations have been handled differently and, uh, you know, and, and probably correctly. And with the new new people will see what happens but if it's anything like other sports it's probably going to be selectively enforced would be my guess you know um when when it suits the people's needs they'll punish people and when it doesn't they won't um and uh you know and and the whole thing with mcgregor i mean that 
that part of it was the part where I was kind of like on the side of, of you saw it. And I do think that this had something to do with the tensions between the two sides. Cause I, I remember at one point they were just saying, well, you know what? Like all we do is give guidance. If they want to let them fight, they can let them fight. We, we don't actually have any authority to stop them from fighting. We just make recommendations and then, you know, it's up to them to suspend him. But I mean, you've also got athletic commissions and, so they're not going to let a guy fight if he's failed a drug if he's failed a drug test. So um, and as it turned out, you know, like he is going to do the full six months. Uh, so, um, you know, that was all much to do about nothing. Um, and uh, but but, you know, you, you bring Connor's name into it and all of a sudden you get attention. And that, I think, was the point that Hunter was making was yeah. that that's the only reason they even brought up Hunt, uh, Connor, because they knew that you you bring connor into it you get attention and and that's that was their intent it was nothing to do with what was actually going on so funny that in wrestling we have two guys named con last name con yeah. different companies and now in tko we have hunter campbell and uh hunter hurst helmsley you know not as real yeah name. it's got it's kind of funny how, how weird that is um yeah do you care about drug testing i mean on I don't. some level, yeah. No, like I mean, honestly, like if they just eliminated it and let everyone compete, I I think I'd be fine with it. I think I've been more annoyed at ju- some drug test failures in the past that have taken away accomplishments that people had, and I I think of Ben Johnson. You know, like what a great moment that was when he broke a record for Canada, and then you know, like three days later, he fails a test, and you know, and then you get Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa. You know, like. And, and and Mark McGuire and Roger Clemens, you know, like all these guys. And then you, you know, go into MMA and, you know, John Jones and, and um, Anderson Silva and, and the different failures and, and rumored failures. Like I just, you know, it's like if they want to do it, you know, but, but again, again, is if you're talking about fairness, you know, I think if everyone's doing it, then, you know, then it's probably fair if everyone's okay with it and everyone knows what's going on. But as soon as you have like, a decent percentage of people that are trying to follow the rules, then it becomes really unfair. So I, I'm about, I'm probably about 75% in terms of, yeah, just let them do drugs. Yeah. (laughs) But 25% of me is like, ah, you know what? We should be fair here. Yeah. But I think I, I'm more on the side of wanting to see data on terms of like, what, what does it mean? You know, what does it mean? for What type of advantage? Cause it's kind of like to me, the argument baseball, like steroids, like oh Barry Bonds took steroids and Roger Clemens and McGuire and all this stuff. Did do people think that just because they injected something means that that's why they hit all the home runs? There has to be an inordinate amount of skill there. It's recovery and things like that. But there's you look for like okay, what does it mean in MMA? Does it mean people hit harder? I'd rather have it be like actual evidence based yeah. on you know a year of collection of fights at least of, of fighters and look at results and you know, all these different types of things. I'd rather it be that where it's like, yes, these things do, um, do, uh, help fighters do this or could they help in recovery? You know, is there, is there some like, you know, I, and, and some of the things too, that you thought it was busting, you know, for pot early on before those, some of those mm-hmm. things that change and even things like, you know, I think people taking like Tylenol or like, you know, um, uh, like, uh, not Ritalin. Yeah, just the thing and other things like that. It's like, does that help performance or is it just something that helps their life in general and you're flagging them and then treating them the same as if somebody is, you know, smuggling stuff across the border. And <laughs> I like, you know, there's that, that. And I think that's the inflexibility that UFC was frustrated with. And I, I don't, if I'm an athlete, I'd be 
you know, frustrated as well that that it seems it is it is unrealistic, I think, for fighters to not take, you know, with supplements and all the like people take a lot of stuff because it's a it's a hard sport. It's hard in your body, yeah. you know, day in and day out. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the inflexibility there is something that became a little bit untenable. Well, and I think too, like you're trying to prevent the you know drastic abuse of these things. Like, you know, if you allow certain, you know, if you allow a, a certain amount of it eventually people push the limit, push the limit, push the limit. And then you end up with something like, you know, like a situation with Chris Benoit, you know, where he was like 50 times the TUE ratio, you know, and, and like, you definitely don't want that or like a Vitor Belfort, you know, whatever he was doing um, to where, like when you ask, does it make a difference? I mean, clearly it does because when their guys are off of it, you clearly see a difference, you know, like look at Johnny Hendricks post USADA, look at Vitor Belfort post USADA, um, you know, and there's a few other ones that are, that are a uh, thing, but then again, is it, is it that they, because they weren't taken into drugs or is it because of something else that mm-hmm. was in conjunction with that, you know? So, and does, yeah, it's, it, and does it help yeah. them look good or does it help them fight good? Or is it a, you know, I think that's the thing too. Is, I think, I think the recovery is a big part of it. Sure. Um, and, and, and the size uh, as well, you know, so if you can go in there with, you know, like 15 pounds of extra size that you can, I think the cutting is a much bigger issue, you know, and, and the guys that are using these drugs to cut weight, I, that one is one that I think is, is one that they should enforce, but I, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see a change uh, going forward, but I just don't know what that change is going to be. And, and we'll probably find out fairly soon, like within the next six months, I would think. Yeah. Uh, we flipped to UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi, the month's uh, lone pay-per-view. And we had a rematch, a short notice rematch, because uh, Charles Oliveira had to be pulled from the fight, the main event due to an eyebrow cut. And that meant we, get, meant we got Islam Makachev defending his 155-pound title, lightweight championship, against uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, the uh, featherweight champion. And Makachev, uh, a dominant victory against a super short notice, notice fight for Volkanovsky, and he got paid pretty well, I'm sure. Um, first round knockout, and this was uh, no doubter. Co-main event was uh, Kamzat Chimaev taking on uh, Kamaru Uzman, another relatively short notice fight due to uh, Paul Costa uh, being pulled from that fight due to arm surgery, and Chimaev uh, picking up a win over Uzman, a majority decision. There was uh, some strange staff infections on this show, which Dana White uh, kind of railed against after, and they said, if you're going to lie, lie all the way home. <laughs> Don't say anything. <laughs> During, there was one woman that said she had a staff infection all over butt and, and and other areas that she shouldn't talk about and just kind of a strange thing there. But yeah, I mean, we had, it was in Abu Dhabi, so we have no idea, you know, obviously and they didn't announce attendance or gate or anything like that kind of, you know, part of their deal over there. But yeah, this was, uh, you know, another win for, for Islam Makachev. I don't know, you know, how impressive it is considering, you know, Volkanovsky is no, no chump by any means, but short notice, different weight class. It just, it's, I don't know. I, I mean, you give praise to him, but it's, uh, I think a lot of people were interested in seeing that Oliveira fight, but still wins a win. And then uh, Hamza Chimaev, you know, picking up a victory and not a, a dominant one, but I guess a solid one. Again, it was a majority decision. So some, some doubt there, but what do you remember about these fights in this card overall? Um, well, not much to say about the main event. I mean, Makachev was probably going to win even with regular notice, but on short notice, like Volkanovski had almost no chance. And one thing you didn't mention here, I think, he had cut something like 36 pounds in two weeks leading up to this. He was, yeah. he was weighing at 181 or, or sorry, 26. He was weighing at 181 when he got the call for this fight. And uh, so, yeah, he had a lot of weight to cut. 
Um, and and so you had that, and then you had Usman, who also took the fight with Chimaev on short notice. And um, in that one, it it was funny because even though Chimaev won, I thought Usman came out of it like looking better because he won the third round, and and you got the sense, and he even said it on his way out of the cage to Daniel Cormier that he was offered five rounds and he turned it down thinking, you know, he didn't have enough time to train and, and three rounds was, was going to be about right. But he figured that if he would have had five rounds, he would have beat Chimaev. And um, hmm. so that, you know, that was interesting. And then you, you, you come out of it with questions about, okay, he's already lost to Leon Edwards twice at 170. Maybe his future's at 185. You know, if he puts on a little bit more natural weight and, and fights there. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in seeing what he does next. Um, one of the things you didn't mention that was kind of a big talking point coming out of the this um, this pay per view was the, I guess what they call the feature fight between Megamed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker, where uh, Johnny Walker was hit with the illegal knee, and then he was yes. questioned by the referee, and and uh, the referee like you know maybe Walker couldn't understand what he was asking, or he asked him where he was, and he said the desert, but he couldn't remember. He might have even said, "Oh, I'm in." Uh, United Arab, I mean Abu Dhabi, and he's like, "Well, what country is that?" And he's like, "I don't know." <laughs> it's like dude, most people watching, like, probably didn't know what country Abu Dhabi was in either. Um, so you know, and and so they ended up calling it off after you know like five minutes, and and it was it was just weird because the way that the fight was stopped, it was just very odd, and it was an inexperienced ref, and you know, I, I think they're probably going to run that one back. Um, there, there's one other fight on this card that I just want to talk about a bit because it was just so funny. And I don't know how many people saw this because it's on the prelims, but um, it was a debuting or a, a fighter he'd fought once before in UFC, Anshul Jubilee, uh, you know, a prospect from Israel. And uh, he was looking just great against Mike Breeden. Uh, he won the first two rounds and, and you know, he was well on his way to a decision win. And, and Mike Breeden was like, comes out there in the third round and he's just, he's insane. Like he's just like he's just getting the guy's face and screaming at him, and he's chanting USA and putting his arms up. And this Anshul Jubilee just had no idea. Like he he'd hit him, and then the guy would just come back and he'd like just start firing up, and he just basically like uh, freaked him out. And and Braden ended up knocking him out like three minutes into the third round. It was just the most crazy thing you'll ever see. And uh, like I'd say, if you got some spare time, like throw on UFC Fight Pass and just just fast forward to the third round and watch that third round because it's unlike anything you'll ever see. And and this guy Mike Breeden is is insane. And I think he might have got cut. <laughs> I think he did something or something. Like I could be wrong about that, but um, it was just memorable for what for what it was though. I was uh, I, I was it was one of the things I'll never forget from that show. Also very memorable in this month, Paul was. The boxing debut of Francis Ngannou, the former yeah. UFC heavyweight champion and soon to be PFL champion, I'm sure, but basically due to no competition or anything like that, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, his boxing debut was was this in Abu Dhabi as well? Uh, I th I think it was in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, one of those countries. Yeah, because it was the same place as the um, the uh, WWE show. Oh, right? yes, yes, yes. You're right. Part of the Saudi yeah. thing. It's, correct. Because Finn correct. stayed there, I think, for both shows. Yes, yes. And this was, yeah. I think this was an afternoon show, if I'm remembering yeah. right. And uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, but Tyson Fury, uh, who was a, a prohibitive favorite going into this against a guy who had never boxed before, and Francis Ngannou uh, took him to a split decision. Some people thought that Ngannou won the fight. Uh, I did not see the full fight, and I'm also not a huge boxing fan at this stage of my life, so I could not 
you know, tell you who won and all mm-hmm. this stuff. But I do know Francis Ngannou uh, knocked Tyson Fury down at one point. And I do know that Twitter blew up at that point, like, holy shit, this is actually happening. It's a very live dog here. But this was a a huge win for Ngannou uh, in a lot of different ways. One, he got paid, and that was a, obviously a big talking point with fighter pay and and all that stuff based on UFC time, but also that he was able to compete against a top guy and top guy who clearly came in unprepared, but still, you know, there's um, somebody off the street, you know, goes up against a champion, not hundred times out of hundred, the, the champion, the, the more experienced guy, even on his worst day, illness, anything like that, coming off COVID or something like that is going to be able to have the, the skills to get it done. And Tyson Fury almost lost. And some people, they thought he did. Um, and, and again, against Francis Ugana, who was obviously competed in MMA before, stri- striking before, but never like boxing. It's not a apples to apples comparisons we talked about for years with Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather in that fight. You know, all these guys trying to cross over. There was talk about a Deontay Wilder fight with Ugana, and all of a sudden he was being talked about. You know, other big pay per view fights. We'll see what's going to be next for him because he's supposed to obviously make his uh, PFL debut. But this was a uh, this was a big win for him in a lot of ways. It was it validated him leaving UFC, at least in this early stage. There's still a lot more to go kind of before we get there, before we understand if it's going to be a full success. But in terms of being a, a known entity and everything, this was uh this was a great night for Francis Ngannou. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see the fight. Um I you know I had almost no interest. Well, probably not almost. I had no interest in this. A lot of people didn't because they thought it was gonna no, be so I just, one-sided. Exactly. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, this is just an exhibition and, you know, and, and, and it, one of the big things like when, you know, maybe a couple of weeks out from the fight, everyone assumed it was an exhibition. And then they were like, no, no, this is an actual fight. Um, so it's like, okay, well, you know, whatever. I mean, fear is going to knock them out anyways. Like, that's kind of what I thought. And then when I heard about what happened, I was like, wow. I mean, so I had no interest in this first fight. If they ever rematch, I will definitely be interested in that and I'll probably buy it. So my pro wrestling brain immediately took to, well, did Tyson Fury just, you know, like throw, you know, not, not throw the fight because he won, but did he like carry Nganu to 10 rounds or however long it was? I think it was 10 rounds. Um, and, and just so that they could do a rematch. And I talked to some people that I know that I'm friends with in the boxing community, um, you know, that follow this, this sport really closely. And they, they're like, no, no, that wasn't it at all because he has another fight coming up and this kind of hurts interest in that fight. So this was just Nganu being a lot better than anyone gave him credit for. Mm. And, or maybe Tyson Fury being, you know, uh, you know, maybe a little bit washed um, or not taking the fight seriously. Um, so, but that, that all said, I mean, I'm still like, if they announced a rematch for, you know, like a year from now, or, you know, maybe the same time next year, that's kind of how they usually do things in boxing. Um, I think I'd probably buy it. <laughs> so <laughs> it, whether that was the intent or not, um, it worked. And and I feel like if I'm thinking about buying it, there's probably a lot more people thinking about buying it than, than probably bought the first one. Um, so, you know, in, in that sense, job well done. And some of these other names they bring up, like I, I know Deontay Wilder. I've heard of him. I don't probably know very many other heavyweights, to be honest with you. So I'm not sure, you know, like I would be interested in, in Ngannou fighting anyone else. And certainly not if it was one of these, you know, if it was someone else from UFC that or MMA that they just brought in and said, oh, yeah, we're going to do, you know, like Anderson Silva, you know, against Francis Ngannou or something like I, you know, sure. I wouldn't care about that either. But because I know Anderson Silva's done some boxing, too. But um, 
you know, I, I uh, yeah, it was a big win for him, even though he lost and, uh, you know, and probably made him, you know, whatever he made for this fight probably guaranteed him at least that and maybe more for, you know, one, two or three more fights. All right, let's go through the uh, the rest of the month. We'll uh, clip us into two chunks as we do in the wrestling series. Sure. There's a lot to talk about here. I did, uh, did a little bit extra research on some of the stuff. So uh, a few more uh, unique headlines in this one to close out the year. Uh, UFC 295 lost uh, John Jones or Sestipe Miocic due to a Jones pectoral injury, which just happened to be caught on camera. Torn pec out at least eight months. And all of a sudden, of course, this was the headliner for MSG, and all the tickets were basically bought. And what they did is they made Tom Aspinall versus uh, Sergey Pavlovich for the interim heavyweight title. And then uh, Yuri Prohashka versus Alex Bahia set for the light heavyweight title in the co-main event or vice versa, I believe. Uh, something like that. Anyway, but they had a, a big change and it'd be a huge disappointment if you paid all that money to go to MSG to watch a John Jones fight and uh, and not, not getting it. Flyweight champion Alexa Grasso out with a fractured hand, suffering her uh, fight or uh, rematch with Valentina Shevchenko. And Shevchenko also revealed she broke her thumb in that fight. So both uh, women getting injured there. And a trilogy is likely to happen at some point. Jake Shields got a misdemeanor charge for his fight at the UFC Performance Center with our Forest Institute, rather, with uh, Mike Jackson uh, back in 2022. UFC Vegas 80 in the apex. Bobby Green knocked out Grant Dawson in the first round, took just 33 seconds, a big upset there. With UFC Vegas 81, Edson Barboza still out there. Pick up a big win over uh, Sadiq Youssef, a uh, decision win there. Vivian Arejo defeating Jennifer Maya. And then uh, Michelle Pereira uh, knocked out Andre Petrosky in the debut of his new weight class. He's a, one of these guys that I think people are just waiting to break through because he's so interesting and does all these kind of flips and unique stuff. And, and uh, he's kind of a fun fighter to watch. So people are just like, please be good. <laughs> just be good for like a stretch because he's fun to watch. You know, if you're watching all these prelims and all this stuff, it's fun to watch different guys are innovative offense and, Really weird stuff. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Derek Lewis uh, was an injury substitution for Curtis Blades against Yalton Almeida in uh, their November fight night fight. So that was uh, confirmed in October. Then Lewis celebrated by being arrested for going 135 miles an hour in a 50-mile-per-hour zone. So uh, good on him. Uh, Derek Brunson signed with the PFL and was set to face Ray Cooper in the third in November at uh, their championship, uh, big championship year-end event. Israel Adesanya said he was going on hiatus. We'll talk more about how long that hiatus lasted in just a minute. UFC hired this is an interesting one I completely missed. UFC hired matchmaker content contest winner Joe Reeves as a full-time matchmaker to join um uh Sean. Oh my god, someone said Sean Spears, Sean Shelby, and uh Mick Maynard. Mick Maynard. Yes, the alliteration team. <laughs> the uh yeah, Joe Reeves not <laughs> gotta change those names. Uh Dana White uh, said he was obsessed. With having a UFC show in the sphere in Las Vegas, and he wants his next UFC Noche event there. Conor McGregor, no, not going to face charges in his NBA Finals uh, sexual assault allegation that supposedly took place during the NBA Finals. A rumored GSP versus Nate Diaz, uh, or sorry, Nick Diaz, BJJ match, a uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, bout, was canceled due to a GSP entry. This is going to be on Fight Pass. UFC flag ban apparently back in effect. And then uh, UFC signed a deal with Bud Light. Biggest sponsorship deal in company history at $100 million. Of course, a lot of controversy about this, given uh, Bud Light's uh, year and and what, however you want to get into that conversation. But uh, regardless, at the end of the day, Bud Light coming back to UFC as their main beer sponsor, $100 million, again, the biggest sponsorship, sponsor deal in company history. Thoughts about any of that? Well, that Bud Light sponsorship, uh, 
the uh, that's what about fifteen years too late after uh, Brock Lesnar gave him some free publicity at yeah. UFC one hundred. So he wanted um, a, Coor, a Coors Light, a Coors Light, yeah, one of the best. Bud doesn't pay me. Oh my god, what a what a great moment! Yeah. Those are moments I oh. just don't don't get anymore. That I wish no. like unhinged Brock yeah. Lesnar and just oh my god, Derek Lewis go- occasionally. I, occasionally, but Brockles like the yeah. the mouthpiece out and just stop. Oh my god, just absolute best. And, absolute. and it's like when I heard about this, that was the first thing I thought of. So I mean, you know, and <laughs> 15 years later, I think it was. So, um, so one thing you mentioned here, um, we talked about at the beginning with uh, UFC 295 losing John Jones, and and then earlier we talked about the the main events of um of the Abu Dhabi show also being you know uh, messed around with at the last minute. And then you brought up um, the matchmakers. And I got to tell you, when people are filling out their Wrestling Observer Award ballots, you've got to consider Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard for Bookers of the Year. Because, I mean, some of the stuff they have to deal with, you know, and, and uh, you know, with these late injuries and drug test failures and, and all kinds of stuff, and then having to put together these cards. And by the time they get to these cards, like, they ended up in both cases almost, I think, like having more interesting cards than what they originally had booked, you know, and, and doing these things at last minute. So I, I do, you know, tip my cap to them for, for the work that they do, because it's not easy. And, um, and, and, and again, you know, we, we ended up with, you know, like a really interesting heavyweight title match and, and a really interesting light heavyweight title match um, on that MSG card that we didn't have. And then, you know, even with the Abu Dhabi show, like we got uh, two fights that, you know, were kind of almost dream matches. So, uh, yeah, I was I was uh, really impressed impressed by that. Uh, Bobby Green, you mentioned, you know, and and you mentioned Edson Barboza still out there. I mean, Bobby Green too, right? And yeah. Grant Dawson had been undefeated, I think, leading into that fight, or maybe he had one loss early in his career, but some sort like a nineteen or twenty fight unbeaten streak, and Bobby Green knocks him out in thirty three seconds. Like that was just crazy. Um, and I, you know, if you if you listen to my podcast, you famously know that I like to gamble, and I lost <laughs> a lot of money on Grant Dawson. I'll just say, um, yeah, I busted a few a few really good parlays. Um, and uh, yeah, other than that, not much else there. Um, yeah, maybe Joe Reeves can change his name to like I don't know Randy Reeves, and then he can match <laughs> Sean Shelby and Nick <laughs> uh, Maynard. All right, let's go through the uh, the rest of the month then. Uh, UFC Austin, not Steve Austin, Austin, Texas. Gabe Badil, Dariush versus Armin Sarukian. Dan Hooker versus Bobby Green. Not really. Talk about Again. That. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. uh, Rob Font versus uh, Devinson Fegueredo. Uh, Bellator 300, the Pachanga Arena in San Diego. So sad. Bellator 300, no one gave a shit. And we'll talk about why nope. in just a minute. Uh, a heavyweight or a light heavyweight fight between uh, Ryan Bader and Linton Vassal. Was scrapped. Uh, Uzman Magomedov and Brent Primus went to a no contest. Uh, it, th- sorry, Magomedov won, and then later um, it was declared no contest because they found a banned substance in under Magomedov. So, ended up being a no contest at the end of the day. Uh, Chris Cyborg, another person still fighting, the uh, forever uh, featherweight champion for Bellator, uh, picking up a win, a TKO winner of Katzengano in the uh, the first round. And flyweight champion Liz Carmouche picking up a victory over Alimale McFarlane won by fifth round TKO, one of Dave Meltzer's favorite fighters apparently of all time. I just remember him gushing over the Hawaii entrance and and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, uh, Alistair Overeem uh, retired after a, a long run in MMA and also kickboxing as well. Jorge Masvidal said he was targeting his boxing debut in early 2024. 
Anthony Pettis versus Benson Henderson was set to headline a karate combat event. Have you ever seen a karate combat event? Uh, I can't. I cannot say that I have. I think it might be on Fight Pass, and it, it's like oh. I, it was. I was going through headlines. They had like you know karate combat like fifty two or something like that. They have like a lot of these shows. I assume they're just karate, I guess, but I don't know. It's crazy content, man. <laughs> Everyone just filling in hours. Uh, Dylan Danis released from Bellator. Uh, Mike Perry versus Eddie Alvarez set to headline a bare knuckle show. We'll talk about that result in a minute. Walt Harris suspended by the Nevada Athletic Commission for a year due to a positive test. Showtime sports done with MMA and boxing at the end of 2023. I put 24, but 2023. Yeah. So, of course, Bellator, MMA, and then all the different you know boxing organizations that they do uh, do shows with. Mike Jackson, we just talked about him a minute ago, picking up a TKO win or a Pat Militech in their long-awaited fight. And uh, I don't know where it was. It was, it was Iowa or something like that. And uh, Militech was uh, left on the stool, so to speak. Matt Hughes' son uh, competed in MMA for the first time, lost a unanimous decision victory. Uh, UFC was set to debut in Saudi Arabia in March, their first show there. And uh, Dana White credited Vince McMahon with making the deal. So Saudi Arabia continues to be and will be a big player in a lot of these sports. Um, 2023, more of an influence. I think it's going to get even bigger in uh, in 24. But that's uh, UFC loves those guaranteed deals. It's so so funny. The TKO folks, you know, Ari Emanuel with uh, Endeavor pulled out all that money from Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago when everything was going down. And all of a sudden now, it's, uh, everything's forgiven. We're good. We're going to do all this weird how the almighty dollar works. Angela Lee retired a promising career. Uh, I can't remember what division she fought in. Is it straw weight or fly weight? Uh, it's, it's weird in uh, one, but I guess you'd probably call it straw weight. Gotcha. But she was one of those ones. That, and you had talked about her for a while. Yep. That yeah. seemed like she I'm gonna, was going to talk a little bit about her. Yeah. Yeah. She was going to be up next and then uh, retired. Uh, John McDessey and some others were cut from the UFC. John McDessey has been the, the game a lot. And I think probably ended up being most remembered for that uh, controversy with the full contact fighter shirts and not paying fighters mm-hmm. and things like that. So, you know, that was a thing. And then also the California MMA retirement plan went into effect. This is a, 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 a law essentially fighters fighting a certain amount of rounds would uh, be eligible for retirement. Um, but you have to fight. It sounds good on paper, but it's not like the UFC runs MMA in California that often, mm-hmm. especially with the same fighters. So you really have to fight there a good amount of times to be able to kind of earn anything. I mean, it's a nice gesture, but I was kind of looking at the numbers. And I'm like, wow, it's going to take some fighters a long time to get there but possible but still like you know anyway thoughts about any of that yeah i i I thought exactly the same thing as you with that california thing like i I looked at it's pretty much almost impossible for anyone to to qualify but i guess something's better than nothing um i did want to there's a few things i want to talk about uh bellator 300 um i mean it's funny because on paper like that especially with the Ryan Bader fight, which ended up getting canceled. Like that was a really big card. I remember Dave Meltzer calling it, you know, the biggest card in company history. And my first reaction was to laugh because it was like, well, nobody cares about Bellator, but I mean, it really was, I mean, you had some really, really big fights, but nobody cared. Um, you know, you get Chris Cyborg, you got Liz Carmouche, you got Ryan Bader and, you know, Usman Nurmagomedov and Brent Primus. I mean, probably nobody knows about them, but that was the main event um four title fights on a main card i mean you know that's that's pretty huge and then you know just like nobody watched it so um too bad there um <laughs> your notes said mike perry and versus alvarez 
I was like, Brian Alvarez? I was like, <laughs> how much would you pay to see Mike Perry knock out Brian Alvarez? Like, I mean, at least five figures, right? <laughs> um, I, I think we'd both pay money to see that. Mm. Um, I felt old uh, when I saw Matthew's son competing in MMA. I mean, I am old, but I felt even older. And Angela Lee, that story was so sad. Um, I think she's 25. And I, I, you know, I had talked about her before. She had so much potential. She was like the signature star of one a couple of years ago. Um, like her brother, Christian Lee also uh, fights for them. I think he's 23 and, um, and their younger daughter, younger sister um, had died. This was like a big story. It was right around Christmas time a couple of years ago and nobody really knew why. And then I guess it came out that, you know, that she had actually committed suicide. And I think that, also played into you know with angela lee like you know just the pressure and i i think the family like maybe like a lesser version of the von eric story almost in a way like the family pressured them into you know like getting into fighting and being these big celebrities and in, in um south korea i think that's where where these fights are um uh, wherever they are um and, you know and they were originally from canada but they moved there and i don't know it's just like just this wild story and you know, it, to be retiring that young and, you know, and, and you think about the career that she could have had. And I mean, hopefully, you know, she'll have a good quality of life after that out of the spotlight, but uh, really, really sad story in a, in a way. But, um, and, and I, you know, mentioned John McDessie in the same sentence. I did not cry any tears when he got cut. I'll just say <laughs> that. Yeah. He screwed a lot of fighters. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go November and uh, November headlined by, UFC 295, we just talked about this, Madison Square Garden. One thing I noticed in this stretch, too, is there's a lot of fights and a lot of things that happened that the result, the end result happened like a month or two months later. Yeah. I noticed that for yeah. some reason more with this stretch than before. Um, so, again, we just talked about the Jones thing a minute ago. But, yeah, UFC 295, Madison Square Garden, a $12.4 million gate, over 19,000 people in attendance. I wondered, I wonder if anyone actually did try to get refunds. Apparently, a lot of people did. Really? Um, okay. From what, what I was told, yeah, because at one point this 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 was trending to do like twenty million, mm. and so you know at, at I think they had about fifteen thousand, and they were like the gate was around twelve already, and and then so when the Jones pulled out, there was a lot of people that got refunds, and then they reduced prices, and I think even some people, you know, if you go to Ticketmaster and you say, hey, like you just reduced prices and I paid this. Sometimes you can, they'll give you some of the money back. You know, I as would, opposed to, yeah, I, you know, cause I've heard this conversation about refunds before, but I was always on the assumption it was card subject to change. It is, but, but, but that was something, way, yeah, it's a big change like that. Yeah, it's true. You know, and I think a lot of these people too are like, you know, especially with the higher price tickets, like these they're are high. people that, yeah, they're high rollers. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yeah. They, yeah so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it was the third biggest gate in the history of MSG or something like that, or, or for, for UFC or something. So it's still really huge. Yeah. Uh, Tom Aspinall knocking out uh, Sergey Pavlovich to win the interim heavyweight championship. Uh, Alex Mejia stopping Yuri Prohoshka to win the light heavyweight title. His second title, a very young MMA career, but now has two UFC uh, championships to his name in different, different uh, divisions. <laughs> Excuse me. Controversial stoppage there as well. I don't know how controversial, but there was some discussion. Jessica Andrade, a woman that fought, uh, felt like a hundred times uh, throughout the course of 2023, as she talked about to help pay off her divorce. You always hate to see that. Um, 
Being a TKO win over Mackenzie Dern, also going through a divorce. Uh, Benoit St. Denis and Diego Lopez winning our first round TKOs on the main card. All the main card fights were wrapped by the second round. This is one of those uh, fun kind of shows in that way. And Dana White was, uh, Dana White was in the crowd. D- Donald Trump in the crowd. And he mm-hmm. walked out with Kid Rock and Dana White. And also in the, in the side view, you see uh, a lady next to Bill Burr <laughs> flip off Donald Trump. And that's Bill Burr's wife. And that became the whole thing. As well, so yeah, uh, no, uh, don't, this isn't the only time we'll talk about Donald Trump, Kid Rock, and Dana White, the three, three, three. Uh, I want, I want to say three Stooges, but just, uh, just, just a, just a whole thing. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, yeah, yeah, you would have loved to see Jones fight just because it's a star. Uh, you know, Miocic is is very washed. I think at this point, he has fought in years. He walked out at this event. If you remember seeing this with a noticeable limp, you know, this was. Yeah. I don't know if it's like Paul White bad. But this was like he was had a, a hitch in his giddy up, so to speak. And people are like, oh boy, this may have been may have kind of saved him. But they, they're still plowing ahead with this, this fight, which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, overall, yeah, big financial night and uh, a couple title changes and uh finishes and all that stuff. So ultimately the company's happy. Yeah, turn into a really big card, you know, like with the you know, the five finishes. I mean, you don't see that uh hardly ever, you know, on a main card. So that was memorable. Um, you know, I think this will be pretty high on a lot of people's lists for card of the year. Um, you know, and, and Alex Pereira, uh, you know, winning a title in a second weight class, you know, and he's only, he's only been in, in, uh, UFC for like three years and, um, and he's Mr. MSG, you know, he's, he's won it, uh, you know, every year at MSG and I think he even won once in, in glory, um, at MSG. So yeah, he's, um, you know, kind of that's his 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 barn, and and probably next time they go there, he'll probably be there as well. Benoit Saint Denis um, kind of emerged as a rising star in the, you know, uh, for France and probably also in Canada, um, you know, because there's a heavy French contingent here. So he's somebody to definitely keep an eye on. I think uh, I want to say I'm just pulling up his record here. I believe, yeah, that was his fifth straight knockout or fifth straight finish, um, all in the first or second round. So, you know, that's, you know, something, you know, pretty impressive in the lightweight division. And I mean, that division is stacked, but he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. Um, and Tom Aspinall, you know, winning the uh, interim heavyweight title, perhaps uh, is going to keep John Jones around a little while, because I think uh, the idea of John Jones uh, headlining a stadium show in England is something that, you know, he uh, probably would want to do and, you know, probably make UFC a lot of money and uh, would, you know, I'm sure they could maybe even do Wembley with it, with a fight that big. So um, that's something to keep an eye out for maybe 2024 or possibly even into 2025. Um, but yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't really want to talk too much about uh, Trump and his crew, but I think I saw Eric in, in the background there too, but um yeah oh, that was uh, that was something else yeah eric, eric yeah. bischoff <laughs> no no eric well I, he might have been there too but no eric trump uh i think it was eric trump i, I can never Probably, i yeah. never keep him and donald jr uh separate but um yeah they they one of them is always falling around but yeah we saw dana white just a little or i mean donald trump just a little bit too much on on my uh, ufc coverage this year all right let's uh also talk about the other big news of the month with uh you know we talked about this uh, allude to this a lot, and I'm sure most people knew this happened anyway. But uh, PFL finally acquiring Bellator, the uh, the will will they won't they that finally became they did. 
And PFL acquiring Bellator for less than $100 million in stock. It was an all-stock deal. So really no um, no big uh, financial risk for Paramount, uh, or Viacom, rather. But this has been talked about year. You know, Bellator, it just felt like a corpse promotion in a lot of ways. You know, still doing some shows, but virtually no fanfare. We'll talk about their final show in a second. But, uh, <laughs> excuse me, um, this was... Sad in some ways, reality in others, and then in other ways, it's like you know, it, it, you know, Dana White completely just issued this like not a big deal. But the quote you had said before, yeah, it's a two shitty promotions and a shitty show that no one's gonna watch or something, something yeah. along those lines. That quote, he's not worried about it. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, I, I think this this is the best shot we're gonna have in this era of a strong number two is that you kind of combine these rosters and do some stuff with it. You know, we've, uh, whether or not it's going to make a difference. I think people are just looking for good fights with people that they recognize. Um, you know, you have a chance to make some young stars through that mix, but it's, uh, again, it's good fights and, and it's one less promotion instead of trying to split eyeballs between two lesser promotions, you combine them and try to do something more is going to be a pay-per-view entity. I, I really don't think so, but you know, this, this year is going to tell us a lot about whether this is going to be a true, uh, true entity uh, that's going to be, uh, you know, if they're going to science more people. I mean, they're they got the investment. They have some Saudi money, you know, that's uh, that's going to help. Um, they have some international shows they're going to do under the Bellator banner. Uh, so there's again, it was no risk deal for for Paramount in a lot of ways. And for PFL, it's like this is a. Um, this look if they're going to go for it, this is the move they have to make, and we'll see how this turns out. Um, I think it's fine. I, you know, Bellator is on its last legs anyway, so I think this could be beneficial um, for both parties. But you know, no major threat to the UFC. This is kind of a nice, uh, a, a nice uh, dessert after the big meal. Does the UFC, if that makes any sense? How could that be? But we talked about it's going to be hard for them to find real estate when it comes to people's eyeballs and giving a shit, right? So many UFC yeah. events, especially if they start doing more like Mark Shapiro thinks that they're going to trying to find that oxygen is going to be tough, but you know, uh, people are willing to, if, if people can bet on stuff, they're going to try to watch it. So if they can make it kind of more of that, they get a shot and they have, they know, they have some people that haven't fought, you know, Jake Paul, if that turns into something, obviously Nganu, um, you know, they got, they have some names, so we'll, we'll see what they do with this worth a shot, I guess. Right. I guess. Um, I mean, I don't think that there is actually a market for like, there isn't really MMA fans anymore. I don't believe, I believe there's UFC fans. And so, you know, in terms of like, you know, who's going to watch a secondary uh, or, you know, number two MMA promotion, I think that number is very small. Um, and, and we see that with these PFL and Bellator shows. And I mean, when you talk about combining the two of them and maybe making a strong number two, in theory, that makes sense, but the problem is, is at least for the first year or two, they are going to run them under separate banners. So it's it's not like we're going to have all the PFL and Bellator fighters fighting under PFL. Like there there are still going to be separate, and I think the reason that that is is because Bellator had some TV contracts in um, you know in in other countries, um, most notably in England, where you know they actually were getting you know fairly significant revenue. So they, that's why they have to keep running those shows. And that's why they're doing the eight international shows under the Bellator banner. Um, but PFL is also trying to, you know, kind of get a leg in, in the UK where they have their, I think they call them their challenger series where yeah. they're doing, you know, they, 
these tournaments where you can get into the regular tournament. Um, and then they're also, you know, they've talked about PFL Africa, you know, that Francis Ngannou is the head of right. whatever that is going to be. Um, so, you know, like they've got some good plans and I mean, whatever market there is for a number two, however small that is, I guess they're going to try to carve out a piece of that. It's just a matter of whether anyone's going to be willing to pay them for their content in North America. And I don't know that there will be because I I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm, you know, and I'm sure on paper that, you know, Bellator was getting some money from Showtime, but since Paramount owned them anyways, like there was no real money changing hands. And with PFL, they've never announced any kind of monetary figures with ESPN. So you have to assume it's probably like some sort of a time buy or, you know, an exchange where, you know, like PFL's giving them programming, maybe they're getting a cut of the ad revenue, um, you know, at best. Um, you know, but nobody watches those shows. So like even on main ESPN, they're doing like maybe 250,000 people watching and, and, you know, as opposed to like, you know, 800,000 to a million for a UFC. So, um, it'll be interesting. There are some, they've got some interesting fighters under their banner, you know, like you brought the names you brought up as well as, you know, now that now they've got Aaron Pico, they've got Cyborg. Um, Harrison. You know, so they can, yeah. Kayla, so they can try to make that Kayla Harrison, Chris Cyborg fight. That might be big, you know, certainly if they can get Logan Paul involved that, but I don't think he'll ever be on TV. So that'll be pay-per-view. And I think the amount of people that'll buy a non-UFC pay-per-view in 2024 god like can it be any more than ten thousand? like i i don't know um so it's as long as they can get people to keep investing in this company um it uh you know they'll keep going but at some point it almost feels kind of like a ponzi scheme or money laundering i don't know what but um you know they you know because event you know they they sold you know these beltor for 100 million in stock like what does that even mean like the stock is you know, can you buy Bellator stock? Like, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know what that's worth, but uh, it's probably not a hundred million dollars. Um, but I guess we'll see how they do in the next couple of years. All right, let's go through the rest of the month here. We'll split this up two chunks. Bellator held a, their final show, <laughs> Bellator 301. So sad. Patchy Mix submitting Sergio Pettis in the main event to uh, for the undisputed bantamweight championship, and then Alexander Chablis defeated Patricia Pitbull for a spot in the lightweight Grand Prix final. However, with no future show, apparently that's just for not just off, off into the ether, the lightweight Grand Prix, just a strange end for, uh, for Bellator, uh, PFL founder, Don Davis, they saw no interesting options for France and Ghana's MMA return, except for one compelling name, John Jones, new UFC contract clause allowed promotion to pause sunset clauses and there was a lot of talk about this. Essentially, uh, without boring people to death, they could essentially move the sunset clause date depending on the day of the first fight of the contract rather than the day you sign the contract. So that's a whole thing. It could be the contract could be paused in case of suspensions, you know, medical suspensions, those type of things. UFC lost their appeal in the uh, much talked about uh, Kung Lee antitrust case. That's big because we had all kinds of documents continue to come out. And this thing, as we've talked about in a previous show, is definitely definitely moving ahead. So we're going to get more and more information as this comes out. Uh, USC Fight Night uh, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. First time there in a long time. Over 11,000 people there. No gate announced. Uh, headlined by uh, Yelton Almeida, uh, defeating Derek Lewis. Uh, USC Fight Night Vegas. Brendan Allen submitted Paul Craig in the third round of the main event there. Excuse me. Chase Hooper picking up a first-round submission. The uh, young kid has been around seemingly forever. 
uh, on that show. Uh, January's UFC 297 in, in Toronto got Shane, uh, Shane Strickland, Sean Strickland <laughs> versus DDP for the uh, middleweight championship. Yes, Sean, Shane Strickland versus DDP doesn't sound like a great match, but uh, Mario Buena <laughs> Silva versus uh, Raquel Pennington for the vacant bantamweight title. And then Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira, too, was rumored. That ended up not happening for that show. At February's UFC 298, getting uh, Alexander Volkanovsky versus uh, Ilya Chapiria uh, for Anaheim. And March's uh March got UFC two March's UFC two ninety nine, Sean O'Malley versus uh Chito Vera two, except for Miami. And speaking of Miami, Jorge Mazadal making a plea plea deal in the uh, Colby Covington assault case. Thoughts about any of that? Uh I think the Strickland DDP was you uh playing fight forever and just mixing it, mixing up with your uh, MMA notes. I, I'm not sure that fight's really happening. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, interesting that we have Strickland and DDP and Hunter in Strickland's DDPs. Boy, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um the uh fight night in uh Brazil, um I that main event was kind of sad. Um Derek Lewis was it was just such a boring fight. Uh, Jelton Almeida just took him down and held him down for five rounds. And uh, it was really boring. And Almeida was like gassed by the end. And Lewis, I mean, it's funny because the, 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 the people were like, the tweeters on the screen were like, Lewis has him right where he wants him and stuff like this. And it's like, you, I, what are you watching? Like it was, he's just getting dominated. It was, um, it was, it was one of the worst main events you're ever going to see. <laughs> I, I don't know if you saw that one, but don't um, if, if you haven't um, Brendan Allen uh, getting a big win was, was kind of big. He's kind of cemented himself as probably maybe the next contender after the Strickland DDP fight that we talked about at uh, middleweight. Um, and uh, Chase Hooper kind of getting back on track there was nice to see. Um, and yeah, the Bellator 301, just what's the old expression? Out with a bang, oh, not with a bang, but with a whimper. Um, mm. That's pretty much what we saw there. Uh, and and interesting that the final Bellator show had uh, Sergio Pettis, and we also had Anthony Pettis in the final WEC show. Mm, if you remember so yeah. yeah in the main event so a little bit of synergy there um but yeah uh just saying uh, a lot of table setting and then finally round out the month we had uh talia santos a former title challenger released from the organization song Gadong versus peter yan except for december or their december main event was scrapped due to a, a yan injury chris gutierrez was tabbed instead and the whole show was moved to the apex from shanghai china uh roman doladiz Versus uh, Nasruddin Abamov, <laughs> truly challenging me here. Uh, headline, set to headline a February show. UFC officially heading to the Spear in 2024 for, I believe, the uh, second UFC Noche show. I believe it might be confirmed. But Dana White wanted to get there, as we talked about. And lo and behold, he got it confirmed. Uh, Dana White said the uh, <laughs> the idea of a Francis Ngannou Jones uh, co-promotion with PFL was a stupid idea. And John Jones is still going to fight Stipe next instead, no matter what. Dana White's still talking boxing, and he wants Fight Pass to be the network for boxing. Dana White's also done with Peloton. <laughs> just, due to some, just a ridiculous story there. He decided to get rid of all the Pelotons out of the, the Forum Center because they uh, complained there was some issue with uh, a Trump, something involving Trump, and they pulled them. They, they complained about it, their sponsorship with some show that talked about Trump or something like that, and Dana White heard that during an interview and said he was done with Peloton, just this absolutely just crazy shit what people are doing. Uh, USC barely mentioned the actual 30th anniversary of their first event on a fight night card. And these cards never seem to line up. 
it was on the actual day and they barely even mentioned it. So it was kind of unique there. Uh, Dana said no interest in Dylan Danis and that Conor McGregor was not part of a hinted super fight that he said fell into his lap. As we sit here on January 5th, we still don't know what that super fight was, but he, he talked about it a couple times in interviews. I'm not sure what, but perhaps someday we'll uh, figure that out. PFL signed a multi-year deal with both ESPN and ESPN plus to exclusively carry pay-per-views. Tony Ferguson got probation for his uh, DUI incident. We talked about last episode, Mario Yamasaki returned to refing. At the PFL finale, PFL hold they held their championship event. Excuse me, Joe Pfeiffer versus Jack Hermanson main event was booked for UFC Vegas in February. Um, we also had Chael Sonnen getting Anderson Silva tattoo after losing a bet. The Rock said he almost fought in pride. Nobody believed that. Dana White claimed Power Slap was worth four hundred fifty million dollars. He also, in part of the documents I was talking about, threatened Strikeforce with a quote unquote bad time. If they didn't sell, it's part of the whole antitrust thing. So we'll see how that plays out. And Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook guy, you know, uh, meta, whatever you want to call him, tore his ACL training first, was supposed to be his MMA debut. And uh, <laughs> that's how that goes. Thoughts about any of that? Um, so wait, on the second last note there, Dana White threatened strike force. So he was just like remembering this from back in the day. No, this, so I, this, I this came out in context during the, uh, the discovery phase of this antitrust case, oh, okay. all these texts gotcha. and stuff came out. That was a headline gotcha. that stuck out okay. to me. Of, of this, uh, basically, the, the almost like like a like like a mob boss. Exactly, exactly. You're right. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I I missed that one. So yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, Dana White claiming power slap is worth 450 million after slamming uh, people that thought Beltor was worth 500 million uh, was rich. Um, and, uh, the PFL championship event, that was another one that kind of came and went. And I mean, I probably would have watched it if it was on TV, you know, cause honestly, like I, I like MMA and, and I, I will watch stuff that's on TV, but I'm not paying $50 to watch a PFL event. Um, and so I had no idea that Mary Masaki was on there till you just mentioned it. So that, that's interesting. Um, hopefully uh, I don't. I I never really had as big a problem as with him as most people do. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him again. Uh, the UFC heading to the sphere. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'd love to see a show there. I, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to, but um, I'm sure uh, I, I know Ryan, uh, my co-host has talked about, uh, you know, probably trying to get credentialed for that show. So he can let me know how it is. Um, and uh, yeah, not much else there. The PFL thing with the ESPN again, no terms announced. Um, ESPN plus on pay-per-view, I mean, I guess probably doesn't cost them anything. So whatever, however many people buy, you know, ESPN gets some money, but I can't imagine that's going to be worth a lot. I, I, like I said, I, I can't imagine there's more than 5,000 people buying those shows. So, um, we'll, we'll see, um, if anything comes of that, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, and, uh, yeah, nobody bought that the rock fought in pride. He's kind of slowly <laughs> turning it into Hulk Hogan there, isn't he? Um, <laughs> some of this stuff. That's right, brother. That's right. All right, let's round out the uh, round out the band with December. And of course, some of these things just happened a couple of weeks ago. We'll go through the whole yeah. month here. UFC 296, Las Vegas, over 19,000 people, $9.3 million gate, ending a crazy successful year for UFC at the box office. We had uh, Leon Edwards dominating Colby Covington in the main event to retain the uh, welterweight championship, uh, Alejandro Pantoja being Brandon Royal, uh, defend his uh, his fly, flyweight title. Flyweight title. I was second guess myself there. Uh, Ian Gary, we talked about him a lot, kind of uh, tabbed as the next Irish star 
off the card uh, due to, I believe he said pneumonia. Uh, it was supposed to fight Vicente Luque, an all-action fighter. Some controversy in Ian Gary's life with his wife making some comments or something like that. So that became a whole thing. Saw a lot of headlines about that. Patty Pimblett, so-so win over a very washed Tony Ferguson. Uh, David Goggins, who is this uh, Marine, uh, a former Marine that uh, is an inspirational guy on Instagram, workout demon, all this stuff, was the trainer for Tony Ferguson during this. So a lot of people are like, that's strange. Uh, Josh Emmett, damn near killed Bryce Mitchell. First round knockout. Uh, again, we had, this, we had uh, Sean Strickland versus DP, a fight in the stands, which happened when Sean Strickland, as they showed the, and they showed the footage afterwards. So it was one like this. They were trying to hide this. Um, they were in the stands and Sean Strickland, you can see he taps. Um, oh my God. Gilbert Burns and his family, like yeah. kids were there. Yeah. He's a little kid. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of like very gently kind of asked him to move aside. He goes after uh ddp was like you know four rows in front of him came to be a little bit of a melee there or separation uh so that happened uh donald trump as i mentioned was attendance also again walking out with kid rock and dana white and then uh shavkat rachmanov submitting uh steven wonderboy thompson there's some talk about him potentially getting a next shot at uh at leon edwards because there's leon edwards Bilal Mohammed. there's some talk about ufc runner we'll talk about in a minute but um yeah, we'll we'll kind of see what happens there. But your your thoughts on this is you know this card just happened a few weeks ago, um, but Leon Edwards and and shutting up Colby Covington. There was some uh, some trash talk with Covington, basically saying he's going to send him to where his dad was and to hell or something like that or some it's just something there where you know it, it there's trash talk and there's kind of just like all right guy, you know what I mean? Like that that's just shitty to say. And uh, Leon Edwards goes to venge and the if there was ever still a bloom remaining on the rose of Colby Covington, it is. It is dead now. No one cared. I and mean, he was buried after this. Mm-hmm. Um, people were more than happy to do that. Thoughts about in this card? Yeah, I mean, there were three fights on this main card that were kind of similar in a way. Um, you know, because you had Patty Pimblett, you know, dominating Tony Ferguson, but not being able to put him away and kind of losing steam near the end. He admitted himself he was gassed in the first round. So anybody like a guy that wasn't as washed up as Tony Ferguson is probably would have figured out a way to beat Patty Pimblett. So he, he kind of got lucky there. Pantoja and Roy Val, similar thing where Pantoja kind of slowed down uh, as the fight went on, but he was able to take Roy Val down, um, you know, repeatedly and keep him down. But Roy Val was you know, probably the fresher fighter at the end of the fight. And then in the, in the main event as well, like Colby Covington didn't even really start fighting until the fourth round. And by then the fight was already lost and he was going to have to knock out Leon Edwards. And he what didn't even come close to doing that. So I don't know, you know, he just had a really bad game plan or uh, Leon Edwards, you know, talked about how emotionally the buildup had affected him and everything. So he might've been off his game a lot. Um, really the most impressive guy in the main card was, uh, well, I mean, you had that, um, knockout from hell with Josh Emmett over Bryce Mitchell, where you know it sounded like a gunshot. Um, that that was crazy. And then Shavkat Rachmanov just submitting Stephen Thompson, which has never happened before. Stephen Thompson's never been submitted in his whole career. Um, and Rachmanov looked like a guy that you know you kind of want to see against Leon Edwards, you know, right away. But I feel like they're probably not going to that fight right away because they Rachmanov's not a huge name. Mm-hmm. And then there was also a fight on the prelims that. Uh, it was one of the best fights of the year. And and it was ironic in a way because it was Irene Aldana and Carol Rosa um, just had a war. 
And, uh, you know, I think they each threw like over 300 strikes in a three round fight. And, and it was just one of the best fights you'll ever see. Certainly one of the best women's fights you'll ever see. And then after that Strickland DDP fight, I think it was Strickland or it might've been DDP, whichever one of them threw the punches, the other one said, Oh yeah, you fight like a girl. And it's like, <laughs> you're saying that on this show after we just saw that amazing women's fight. I mean, are right. you calling him a good fighter? <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what you're saying? Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, I, I just thought it was like a poor choice of words, obviously. But, uh, you know, that um, I, it's that fight is going to be uh, something else, I think, because the, both those guys are a little bit nutty. Um, <laughs> yeah, coming up in uh, yeah. yeah, coming up in just a few weeks. In Canada, if, if they let Strickland in. So, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> well, maybe some news. Uh, and speaking of uh, big fights coming up, we finally, yeah. we think, yeah. we'll have the current return of Conor McGregor. Except for, uh, he's calling it uh, the greatest comeback of all time, June 29th. That'll be part of an international fight week. Set to take on Michael Chandler, not at UFC 300, which a lot of people assumed that was going to yeah. happen. Um, you know, we didn't lead off with this in the month because there's still this question of will he won't he you know he hasn't fought mm -hmm. in the ufc in since the uh the khabib the second khabib fight which was very one-sided um i don't know what else we can say about mcgregor at this point i don't know what to expect i don't expect a lot but there's still that mcgregor magic where you don't know the interesting thing is this fight's going to be at 185 pounds which is just mm -hmm. insane to me right um mm -hmm. but it's finally going to happen and again there is seven months almost seven months to go you know before I, I don't i mean six months ago whatever it is i uh i'll believe it when i see it you know because there's there's been so many yeah. like so many chances of whatever so i'll get more excited once we kind of know like all right this is definitely gonna happen but there's just been so much talk about this this fight and i don't know it, it'll be fun mcgregor fights are always fun um greatest comeback of all time i don't know but you know <laughs> I don't. There's not much else we can say about McGregor at this point. But your thoughts about this fight and the announcement that came on uh, what December thirty yeah. first? Yeah. Well. Okay. So the one thing I'll say is um, Conor McGregor has never pulled out of an announced fight. So mm -hmm. I mean, I I know I've seen and I've heard and honestly, I've even thought, um, you know, the same thing as as what you said. Like you know, believe it when you see it. But the fact is, is is every time they've announced a Conor fight, he's made the fight. So I, I, I think there's a real good chance this fight actually happens. Um, I, I will say it's kind of funny when I was looking at the notes quickly, I kind of read it differently. I was like, McGregor Chandler set for June, period. 29th greatest comeback of all time. So that might be accurate. Um, I don't know if it's the greatest comeback of all time, but I guess we'll see when it happens. Um, when When this fight was first um you know announced well, i mean rumored i guess would be the way to put it like when they did ultimate fighter and it was clear they were they were going to do this fight um uh, my my first reaction was like okay, McGreg mcgregor has no chance against chandler like i you know i'm like i'm putting all my money on chandler uh because there's no way but at 185 i'm thinking that might be a chance that might be the chance that mcgregor has because michael chandler is not a big 155 pounder um, and I would have thought, okay, they probably were going to fight at 170. So, you know, he's going to have to put on a little bit of weight. He probably walks around at 170. So realistically, uh, you know, Chandler's just going to go in there just walking around weight. He's not going to have to cut. Whereas McGregor probably is still cutting to get to 170. 
at 185 now now you're talking chandler actually has to put on weight um because you, you have to be within 10 pounds of each other so and mcgregor probably is walking around you know maybe maybe 195 right now like the dude's gigantic so uh he's gonna have a huge size advantage and probably i don't know about power um and speed but he's gonna have the size so if he can if he can take down uh chandler he might you know he might be able to get him and and he, he mcgregor does have some power too and power is the last thing to go so you know but then again the chin is the first thing to go so you know if, if he gets tagged and mcgregor's or chandler's a hard hitter so i don't know like i'm i i think it's a little more even at 185 than it would have been at 155 or 170 so yeah. um i i mean we'll both be watching um you know and and it is it is uh june 29th they moved up international fight week one week earlier from what they usually do i'm not exactly sure why um uh, imagine there's a reason but i actually i think what the reason is is that endeavor really doesn't like doing fights on holiday weekends for whatever reason so hmm. um that's probably why they're moving this one up hmm. um and yeah so uh it june 29th and um at probably at uh t-mobile i right? would assume at t-mobile yeah unless they do the sphere um i don't hmm. know but i guess they're doing the noche show at the sphere so probably yeah. probably be at t-mobile let's go through the rest of the month here i'll go through this in uh in one rip usc yeah. austin nearly fifteen thousand people attends 2.4 5 million dollar gate for uh, armis rukid being benil dariush with ease in the main event 64 second knockout there so the potential title run for dariush came to an end at least for now uh bobby green needed opponent one week notice Got uh, Jalen Turner after Dan Hooker originally was tabbed to fight. Um, and then there was a Bobby Green, uh, Armin Sarukian hotel scrap during the week. Misha Tate was on this card. She picked up a victory as well. Said uh, any fight could be her last. So we'll see if uh, she retires in the year ahead. Jamahal Hill, the rest of her domestic violence against his brother, of all people. Unusual there. UFC Vegas, another Vegas show. Songy Dong defeating uh, Chris Gutierrez and Khalil Roundtree, knocking out Anthony Smith. California State Athletic Commission endorsed Power Slap. They need some money. So <laughs> Power Slap coming. A lot of speculation Power Slap may be tabbed on with some of these uh, UFC shows. Like if you take one, you got to take both. So lucky uh, lucky them. Again, lots of info uh, continue to come out uh, from these UFC lawsuit documents. UFC 298. We had uh, fights made for that. Robert Whitaker versus Paul Costa. Ian Gary versus Jeff Neal. Henry Cejudo versus Mirab Davalashvili. Uh, Tatiana Suarez versus Amanda Limos. MVP, former Bellator fighter, signed with the UFC, set debut at uh, 299 Miami against Kevin Holland. More fights for that show. Song Yudong against Peter Yan and Gilbert Burns versus Jack Della Maddalena. So uh, loading up uh, the anniversary pay pay-per-views of the year. UFC 300, which we'll talk more about next year. Got their first few fights. Uh, Aljamain Sterling versus Calvin Cater. Yuri Prohoshka versus Alexander Rakic. And then Leon Edwards said he is set to fight. Of course, at this point, we do not know who that's going to be against. But uh, first few fights, Dana White promising a really great card. So we'll see if that happens. Bram Moreno versus Amir Albazi, except for UFC's return to Mexico City in February, along with a co-main event of Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez. Of course, that a rematch. Aaron Blanchfield versus Manon Firo, uh, except for UFC's uh, UFC Atlantic City headliner at the end of March. More Apex shows coming, three set uh, for March and April. Israel Adesanya said his uh, self-imposed break was over. He may be coming back sooner, so that didn't take too long. Joe Rogan said that non-UFC fighters are wasting their careers. Tough, <laughs> officially returning to ESPN for their next season. And then Mike Perry stopping Eddie Alvarez versus Corner Stoppage in their bare-knuckle uh, affair. Jeremy Stevens also picking up show on the undercard. 
And that wraps up December. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, a lot of this news I'm actually hearing for the first time, believe oh, it or not. Um, yeah, because you know we just finished the holidays, and I, you know, I haven't been doing my podcast, so I've just kind of been off the radar with the MMA for a bit. So, uh, but uh, the UFC Austin show uh, was another great show. They they have these great shows in Austin whenever they go there for whatever reason. Um, and uh, the uh, Bobby Green, you know, we talked about him beating Grant Dawson, and then he comes right back for this fight, you know, just a few weeks later and gets knocked out in the first round. So, you know, but that's Bobby Green. Like, he'll probably fight again next month. Um, you know, uh, he's still going after all these years. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a big card. Misha Tate looked just incredible in her fight against Julia Avila. And really, when you're a big name like her and she's in a division that's pretty weak, like she's probably one win away, you know, like they could probably put her in a title eliminator fight. Um, honestly, like if someone pulls out of that, uh, that fight, the Pennington, uh, I can't remember who Pennington's fighting. Is it, Ald no, it's not Aldania. Um, I oh, mean, Vieira? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like we just talked about a few minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, she could almost be put in there. Like I, you know, and, and honest, she's the biggest name in the division, you know, her and Holly Holmes. So she looked really good in that fight though, uh, back at 135. So good to see uh, from her. Um, and uh, yeah, some of these, I, it's kind of cool to start seeing fights already for UFC 300. I imagine you can add Jim Miller to that list. Uh, you know, yes. Assuming he gets through his next fight. Uh, he's got a fight between now and then um, as long as he gets through it without being knocked out or, or taking too much damage. Um, but uh, yeah, good to see MVP. I know that, um, you know, that was a rumored fight with Kevin Holland. So it's, that'll be a really interesting fight between the two of them. Like they'll just be trash talking the whole time and, uh, might, might actually be like one of the most anticipated fights on that show. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, um, tough returning to ESPN. I mean, we knew it was going to happen, but I don't, does anybody really want to see it? I mean, the last this show with Conor McGregor coaching, nobody watched it. So. I don't know what they're going to do this time, but I did like the format last year of having the fighters that had been in UFC previously on one side and, and the up and comers on the other side. So hopefully they go back to that. Um, you know, at, at least for people like me that are going to watch, it'll be interesting, but um, yeah. And uh, I, I, I do, I really like that UFC Mexico city uh, main event with Brandon Moreno and Amir Albazi and, and Ortega and Yara Rodriguez and the undercard is great great fight um that, that's that's gonna be a huge show in february in our last few minutes paul I'll give you a chance to, some of your fights of the year that people should check out what were a few of your favorites? oh oh my goodness you should have you should have uh, asked me this uh beforehand i um i did <laughs> i did not too really before. yeah i, I, said, I don't I'm remember not... you doing that okay um let me just think for a second i i i try to always come up with fights that maybe people like would have you know, not like the main events of the biggest pay-per-views or whatever, but just, you know, fights that, that you want to see. One I really remember was um, the uh, for UFC 290. I think it was might have been the main event or the co-main event. Brandon Moreno and Alejandro Pantaja, uh, yep. split decision. That one was real good. The uh, CJ uh, Vergara and um, uh, Daniel Lacerda. Um, on uh, it was a fight night in San Antonio. It was an undercard fight, but just a crazy, incredible fight. Um, that was from uh, March, so earlier in the year. Um, and uh, just looking through some of these other, and then that that women's fight that I that I mentioned earlier really was was a fight of the year contender. The yeah. uh, Carol Rosa and uh, Irene Aldana from the um, 
uh, can't remember which card it was on, but um, we, we just literally just talked about it. Um, the was it USC 295? I think it was okay, uh, 295 or 296. But yeah, that that one I would say, you know, that was a more recent one that maybe you, you wouldn't have seen. So uh, I would go, I would say that's worth going on your way to see. And then the um, tough finale, uh, uh, Cody Gibson or Brad Katona, my guy from yes. Winnipeg, uh, August 2023. I mean, really maybe the best tough finale fight since the first one, um, you know, and, and Dana White gave them both contracts. It really, that was just a crazy war and uh, a great, great fight. So uh, those are some of my big ones. Can you, do you have one fight that you want to definitely see for the year ahead? That may not be announced. Uh, that may not be announced yet. Hmm. John Jones and Tom Aspinall. Okay. There you go. That's a good fight. It's a really great fight. Yeah. I don't know if we'll get it, but <laughs> that'd be, I think that'd be... we'll get it. I just don't know when. Yeah. Um, put it this way. I don't think we're going to see Jones and Miosic. I know yeah. they, I know that, that that's the fight, but I just, I think something's going to happen and we don't see it. So, um, and then, it, then it's going to be a question of whether or not Jones is willing to fight Aspinall. Paul, thanks so much. Obviously you can hear on, uh, on the, uh, in the clinch podcast and, uh, yep. the dynamite show. You read your yeah, both on the fight game media network, free feed, just Google it. Great stuff. All right, Paul, thanks so much for uh, spending time on this journey. As always, we'll carve out some time next year. It'll be really kind of the year. And I guess it was the year in UFC. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a fun time. Paul Fontaine. Thanks so much. Thank you, Josh. Take care.